0: run free, your hearts run free, your hearts run free,
1: your hearts run free!
2: Welcome to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. We are back after a week hiatus and back we are bang.
0: Joined as ever
2: by John Cassidy. How are you doing John?
0: I'm good. I am bronzed like a Okay, so I'm back. I've been on a holiday, as I was saying. Where have you been? I was over in La Manga. My wife's pals are all swimmers, and one of them has a wee place out there. So I was, they were all swimming. I was having the speedos. That was, a, that was a gig. Eating tapas, drinking red wine, lapping up the sunshine. Hence my bronzeness. And I'm right feeling on. good. Feeling good. Vitamin oh. D. Fantastical. So, I, but We were well missed last week by the way A lot
2: of folk kind of stamping their feet Going where the Aye. heck's my weekly <laughs> doza shit talk
0: Aye I was getting a few digs in awe I know <laughs> I
2: expectations John And when we're not show up for a week Folk are like what the fuck?
0: You know what but it's always good to turn that tap off now and again Then folk really appreciate the shit talk that they get And we've got a belter on episode to come back with haven't we we have we have we are getting
2: a um, regular guest and massive friend of the show James Stewart on for a chat mostly around about his trip over to Verona for the European 24-hour ultra running championships um, but shed loads more um, as I'm sure those who have heard James on the podcast before will um, realise he's got so much to share and knowledge and experience and he's all for Letting people hear about his running experiences, but just his mindset stuff as well. It's fantastic.
0: It's always, always brilliant speaking with James because you say he's got a heap of experience, but he's very willing to share and encourage other people. That's spoken about as we go through the episode. Um, Yeah. Listen out for
2: news of an appearance, a public appearance from James at a Jog
0: Scotland event. Soon, stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Get your ass signed up, yeah. So, I think that's for jog leaders, is it? If you're a jog leader, jog um, so it's sure. all so in there. So, the link will be in the show notes, yeah. Get in about it, yeah, definitely, definitely. And James also, um, talks a little bit about music, music's a big part of James's life as well. So, we, we delve into that as well, um, and yeah. link in um, show
2: notes for James's show that he has on a Monday night.
0: Yeah, that's what it, cool. What channel is on? Pardon? What channels, James? Cumbernauld FM. Cumbernauld FM. Just shout to Alexa. Don't say it the right news, she'll start playing it. Of course she will. Alexa Kenza Crack, or oh, you can find it on any of your apps or things like that, but Cumbernauld FM from Scotia with love, Monday oh, night, yeah. six o'clock. So, before we get on to
2: the headline act, James, we had fun watching things
0: happen in london last weekend oh man that dude that just took off like a bat out of hell at the start he's my legend of the week he was fantastic i was loving that absolutely <laughs> just his little moment in the sun
2: and you need characters like that there's some people going mm, you know mm, i, I giving him a hard time he was yeah. brilliant he was obviously having a laugh you Totally, know? totally and it was like, oh, I think Paul Radcliffe even said something along the lines of, i oh, will regret that later on in the race. I don't <laughs> think he regretted it for nah. one second. Um, it was brilliant <laughs> to see. And I noticed his split times, Still, you know, he was at Cutty Sark in 17 minutes, something, you know, at 5k. He's also a capable enough runner, a lad, to be able I'm to sure do I'm sure
0: I read somewhere he finished in, like, 3.28 or something. Something like that. But he was at half in,
2: like, 1.20 something. So he also just, mm. you know, he he it to, to begin with
0: and then Enjoyed his day out He'll be a lunch unit on that for the rest of his life Did I tell you that time I was winning The London Marathon? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. Oh it was absolutely
2: so, yeah.
1: brilliant But, 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 but aye, there was
2: there was other stuff happening as well In London like um, you know, Get to finish times and Especially in the elites It's all together I mean, John and I we've been down Had the, the chance to run that And it's For me, it was always much better than I expected it to be. I don't what I mean by that. I know what I mean by that, but I'm going to try and explain it. It's like I had a perception in my head that London was a bit, "Ah, there's there's mere exotic and exciting places to run a marathon. Then I went and done it with you, John, and I was just blown away by the whole, um, one, how amazingly well-organised it is. And they've had plenty of opportunity to fine-tune it um, and, and they've now got it like working like a well-oiled machine even though there's some parts it you think oh, it's a bit of pain in the but but um, it all works and also just the support on the route is, is second mm. to none nothing else I've experienced
0: could match yeah. it. Yeah yeah it is I, I've been doing a few times now and it's everyone has been fantastic got great memories from each and every one and what I thought was brilliant I only seen photographs of it today Elliot Kipchoge was there handing out some medals to folk. That's what a touch of class that is, man. You know, I did see him on TV get interviewed by Gabby Logan or someone that was there on the mile, but he then went and was handing out medals to people finishing. No, you're elite. It's just you're running them all, folk. Ah, okay, yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you and I. Exactly, exactly. So we're right in the middle of the... Marathon season, we've had Berlin recently, where your man yeah. Kipchoge hit, hit a new world record. We've heard yeah. London. What's happening this week, Stevie boy? I believe that there's a world major over in Chicago.
2: Chicago, which is next on the, the the major calendar because of COVID impact still and on dates around a bit. We've we had this runner the world majors being really close to each other it's not always yeah. like that um but it's brilliant eh? because it gives you another chance to um somehow soak up the atmosphere from afar uh, we've got a few friends of the show heading on over and um, in fact pretty sure one of them's already left know that you would guess by looking at his um social media accounts because he's <laughs> tends to keep it hush hush ah. but good luck to Wendy wilson um he is again raising money for Worthwhile causes. He does that so well. Um, yeah. Check out his, his Instagram, his Facebook, his Twitter, anything.
0: Or check out your Twitter because he's pretty much trying to take over your Twitter when he's Aye. tagging us and things. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll never give him the keys to our Twitter. No, you? that's a promise. Right. Okay.
2: <laughs> um, and there's a few other people. Angie Donald's away over um, yeah. as well to to run. Um, Angie does a lot at our and um, snazzy graphics and things we're always thankful of that so definitely. Um, yeah can't wait to hear how they get on hopefully
0: they smash it yeah definitely and it's one of these dream runs isn't it i'm sure the rickle runner's going to rickle lindsay's going on as well i'm sure she's going to chicago i'm pretty sure you she know? is so, so there'll be both. a few i've got my eye on it myself john must say oh no nee, it. Need to, I've got my eye on the Hole Park run, that's a bit my limit, at anyway, um, yeah, so that's happening, we've got to say, Oh Loch Ness as well, sorry, oh, Loch Ness was last weekend,
2: that's there, right, there was especially folk from my running Club Five Star, Club Nochderarder, were doing amazing things, a lot of folk cho- choose Loch Ness as a, as a first time, as a really popular first timer, yep. You know, logistically it's quite easy, it's really well organised, that in Edinburgh obviously is popular as well, um, but big congratulations to those guys who made it for couch to marathon, almost.
0: Aye, definitely, and also we shout out to, as well to King of the Western States, John Conley, who was up in Inverness Neckie and had a belter of a day, and also PB. Aye, it must have been well, Kenny was at the two chihuahuas in Perth on the Friday night, so he must have had a wee appetite and maybe he wanted someone else later on. But fair play to him, man. It's, been, it. quite a, it's been quite a year for JC, hasn't it? That's definitely has. Definitely has. Maybe he's best ever. Maybe come on and tell
2: us. Ice on the Cake was an appearance in the Young Hearts Run Free
0: podcast. I think that's still our longest episode ever, so he was obviously enjoying himself.
2: It was, and it was the episode where we got the... Pish ripped at us the mace as
0: well. <laughs> that everybody seemed to really enjoy. Which we're always up for that. So that's <laughs> cool. So no, and, sorry. And Great Scottish Run. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Great nice. Scottish Run. Our yeah. big pal, Eilish McCogan. Our future guest. Our future guest, potential host. We could yeah, do a try hosted session with Eilish. So yeah. Wendy Kenzie, Eilish, has got access to even or more. Give them a shout out <laughs> and we'll get them on. So, but the the door is always open to you, pal. <laughs> There's an unopened
2: packet of custard creams here with your name on it.
0: <laughs> now, one of the Scotland's iconic ultra marathons is on the horizon. Is what it? was your first ultra marathon, Stephen? My first ultra marathon
2: was an iconic Scottish ultra marathon, John, that has the term. Jedburgh in its title.
1: Yep,
0: definitely. There, Thirty-eight Eldon. miles. There or thereabouts. Three hills. Three hills at Eldon's. Yeah. It's a most at this time of the year it is the most beautiful. I couldn't have chosen a
2: better first ultra marathon. Ah. And I'm going to tell you into a secret. Okay. I meant to sign up for Go 33. <laughs> and I was that wet behind the lugs at the time. I was just, like, all excited. And it opened, and I signed up for it. And I was like, right, that's me going to Glenovo 33. And then the confirmation, and I've signed up for Jedbra. And I was like, what oh, the fuck? What have I done <laughs> And I looked at me, shit, that's 38 miles, no 33. And I
0: I, I didn't think I could ever tell anybody that that... There you but go. It, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. And you know what? It's probably the only ultramarathon i know of that you get the chance to go doing a shoot so there's a wee kids play park it is not the stuff it is not a myth it is or it is a legend but you do go through a wee play park and there are challenges within that play park so all, all part of the f- all good really well organized event it is and it's just the
2: the spirit of the community and ultramarathoning is is very much embodied down at Jedburgh. It's um, a superb vibe and, yeah, organised to an absolute T.
0: No, yeah. nothing left and, unturned. And we have been given the opportunity to give away a prize, haven't we, Stephen? We have.
2: We have been kindly donated a spot on the start line by the organisers, um, which oh, what a fantastic prize. It is Saturday.
0: 29th of October. Three yep. weeks time. Three weeks time. So what we're going to do is we're going to, this is the official launch of the the competition. Right. If you would like, if you would like to take part in this year's Jedburgh Ultra Marathon on the 29th of October, all you've got today is send us a message with your name in it. Do it on Twitter, do it on instagram you can reply to the post and you can send us a direct message or a private message we'll add your name in and we'll be doing the draw midweek next week to give the organ it's only fair that we yeah. give the organizers time to do that so you you're pretty much going to have your finger on the pulse as we say but we'll put it on our socials too because we want to give everybody as many people as we can the opportunity to to win that the only cost that will be for you if you're not a member of Scottish Athletics, you'll hate to pay two quid. It's on Entry Central, um, but two quid for an ultra marathon in Scotland isn't bad. If you are a member of Scottish Athletics, it'll cost you hee haw <laughs> <laughs> And there's Mia.
2: There is mayor. The winner okay. will also be the proud owner of a new pair of Dumbarton Rocks, courtesy <laughs> <Huh? Particy laughs> of their race sponsor Beta Running. They've got a pair of those in gingy toe socks. That they're made, my favourite. They're your favs. John, you are um, uh, unable to put your name in the hat, unfortunately. Employees yes. of Young Hearts Run Free are
0: non-eligible. Yeah, that'd be a conflict of interest. Do we buy? Yeah, plus You would can be that. run thirty-eight miles in anyway. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so
2: a then we'll get on to that some other time.
0: And we'll do that another time, So get your name in the hat. Um, that's that. So what we? Yeah.
2: And a big thank you to the race organisers at Jedburgh for putting up that that awesome prize. Yeah,
0: very much appreciated. And whoever you, whoever wins the prize, and if you're going to Jedburgh, then you miss the warm-up. It's the best in Scotland, the wee pre-race warm-up. it's fantastic. So, get oh, well, there has been in the past. Well, there has been in the past. I seen that they did a wee thing with their hoodies and race vests this year. That you can buy isn't it the official race t-shirt mm-hmm. the brightest green and brightest pink you have ever seen in your puff was their uh, their, their hoodies this year so um oh. awesome so yeah thank yeah. you very much to the organizers um get your name in the hat folks don't miss but, out let's get on a jamesy boy yeah james stewart um he is a, he's more than a friend of the show he's a he's a bloody good guy He's not, not eligible to enter our competition for Jedbra. No, he's not allowed in. Um, but James, but is, really. yeah, James graced us with an hour or so of his time earlier in the week, and it was brilliant. Just to yeah, catch up with him, but also there's so much in this episode that might take you a couple of listens. James talks openly about what wasn't his best day out in Verona, but also speaks about how we helped other people maybe have their best day out. So it's a brilliant lesson. I really enjoyed the time with James, as I always do. It's a massive welcome back to Young Hats Run Free podcast. Actually, it's a quadruple welcome back for Mr James Stewart. How are you doing, James? I'm very well. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm good. Delighted to be here and uh, get the chance to speak to you again. We normally will tell folk, or ask folk to tell us their running back story, but we've heard yours before. So what we want to do is here a wee chat with you about a couple of things initially, but we know we'll probably go a wee bit, digress, a wee bit off off, off, uh, off track. But most specifically, we want to hear about your recent adventures in Verona. But before mm-hmm. we get to that... We had the pleasure of being your company up in Bagadoosh,
1: Um, up at the Run With Pylon event. What did you take for that day? First, it was an amazing day, right, but I can't hear the word Bagadoosh without thinking Agadoo. Um, think <laughs> you're in the same place, and I don't know if listeners are in the same place, but there's, a, there's an absolute song to be made there, maybe for the next marketing thing for a uh, Run With Pylon that may be there again. What did that did take from the day? So, I mean, social connection is a big thing, right? sometimes as runners, especially when you're running like I do, where you're out running yourself a lot, you don't get enough of that and you don't realize that you're not getting it. It's a bit like a, a, it's a bit like a vitamin D deficiency. You don't realize it's just, it just increments away at you. And the big thing I got from it was just the energy being in amongst the crowd again and seeing people with their, their own ambitions and their own aims, whether they are grandiose on one hand or um, humble, and small and the other it doesn't matter it's just the fact that it, you were people there who are interested willing to learn and take something from it and willing to be curious and ask questions it, it was great so i got a lot of kind of soul food from it <clears throat> it was really nice as well i traveled up with debbie in the car so it was just debbie and i up in the car so with a, with a good chat on the way up and then with stephen and, and debbie and the, the way back down the road and we, we dropped stephen off at his mansion um, and <laughs> was like which one is it is this one here in the corner um, you could tell because it was, you know, one of the like a Buckingham Palace guy with the hat and all that standing outside. And I um, asked Stephen if I could use his loan, he said no, there's no number two. <laughs> Buckingham Palace says there's no number two's in here. Um, but it was that kind of stuff you got from it, just that that um, soul food and that energy. It was lovely to be back on the Glenmore Loop. That was the first time I'd been on it since 2015, which was nice. It was a wee bit worrying the night before when I got lost because obviously I was going to be running people around the loop. <laughs> I was like I don't even know what
2: this
0: loop is but it was great John it's just great to be honest people's company
2: yeah yeah uh, Stephen do you, what did you take for the day a no bad we top up a Matan which was an added bonus um I think like what James said I met a lot of people that I'd never met in person Grant, McDonald um yeah do you know and been, being able to have that existing connection with people that you've only ever had online or, or on socials or whatever like that and getting meet them p in person it was that was pretty special um, and there was a nice wee buzz about all the other participants you know just like eagerness mm-hmm. or something to to learn but also just to be part of this um all making mm-hmm. connections and everybody was just dead you know intrigued by what you you were up to um or what
0: you were planning. Dead, dead, good. Dead, good. There's a tagline. I think. I think too. There was a fair scalp of imposter syndrome hanging about the air at the start of the day. You know, from a lot of people, myself, myself included. and um, my my journey started well before I even got in Pete's car. I got a lift up with Pete Mylum, great guy. Got we got to know each other really well on the journey up and back down. Um, but james mentioned social connection and i'm i'm still messaging people that i met on that day having conversations back and forward whether it's on instagram or twitter or something so i'm still carrying that buzz of that day but i think it was fantastic i quickly got over the imposter syndrome you can't help that when you've got like uh karen and debbie and yourself james being so humble at the start. So thank you all very much for setting up a fantastic day. It was brilliant. Getting to run down the hill with Badwater Debbie is something I'll never forget. That was absolutely awesome. Um, brilliant day. And I think the the presentations were great too. Stephen mentioned Grant. I thought the stuff that Grant chipped in was brilliant. But the whole way it was done, all very relaxed. And pretty much what I'm trying to say is if anybody's thinking about maybe maybe going to a future drumming pile event and get signed up, you will not regret it. And there's one on. There's one coming up soon, isn't there? There's one on the go just now. A mountain one.
1: Yeah, um, it's a Tindrum and it's Grant with John Connolly, and there'll be others there as well. I mean, y- you talk about Grant. Grant, Grant's a voracious reader and consumer of insight on ultra running. He's kind of like quietly deep into the subject, and so when he's but when he says something, it's more profound. Like I'm ten words to the minute. But Grant will say in one word what I might say in ten, because he'll he'll then reference where he's maybe picked it up from, and then he'll think about how to bring it up. he's a brilliant guy having a conversation. He's one of those guys that helps move the conversation on, um, yeah. and brings in some profound insight or some meaningful contribution. And that's what he was doing on the day. Grant Grant was kind of a last minute addition because he got the opportunity because um, Elsie and all were away, um, so he even up and stayed up at Coedan Bridge, and then come up up on the
0: day so it was a last minute thing for him it was great to see him there aye because when Debbie was doing her talk about 24 hours and tips and stuff Grant was chipping in it was as you say it was just like these wee golden oh, nuggets he was just dropping them in absolutely brilliant yeah so thank him very much too for that
2: yeah and I got speaking to I made new pals things like that you know new new connections myself and um, we were also up there and Jamie Marshall from um what, Lad who runs with us, Nocterada. Um, he'd won a place on it, um, and he honestly hasn't stopped speaking about it since. How much it made the difference for him going into going more 24, and he pretty much puts getting his hundred. I don't know, because he's putting a who a hard work, but he's 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 putting a lot of credit on getting his hundred miles on the, um, you know, change of mindset that he got for the day. So I, know, yeah. I have to pass on my thanks for him
1: and and that's the thing right is like sometimes we we look at those sparks and go this thing created that it's a bit like in say football where you create you always credit the finish when in reality it's the work that sits behind that the training the interchange in the teamwork the camaraderie the mental strength all of that but you only see the finish you see the 100 miles and you think that's that, that's that's just an outcome of a mountain of work and so jamie's jamie's maybe right to say that contributed but it's just one brick and a wall that he built himself right he was very quick to get a hold of Karen at the end of
0: Glenmore 24 and thank her very much. You know, and I, I think, um, I think it's only right. I think what you're saying is that one brick that's in there. Jamie had done a lot of hard work, but without all the bricks, you can't build a wall, you know. So, yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And I'm delighted for Jamie. He had a great day, you know, great yeah, day. he did,
1: he did. Anybody that runs 100 miles, in, you know, 100 miles in under 24 hours, especially on that terrain and that those conditions you know that's that's immensely laudable sometimes we we're used to that in the sport that we're in so we look at it and we we can uh, um normalize that kind of achievement but it's anything but normal i don't want to use the word abnormal because that's got negative connotations i think it's anything but normal it's more exceptional than the normal um and you should you should think about it like that that might be a lifetime achievement you never know what it might be a, it might be a springboard to do even more great exceptional things
0: you mentioned 24 hours great wee segue absolutely brilliant segue into maybe talking about verona but before we get to verona can we speak about because again at that day up in i've now got earworm for bag of douche, but anyway i'll move on but on that day you were looking like well toned and chiseled is what i would say you were in good shape man so what i want to talk about is your training for verona can you tell us about when you start planning that
1: and how it went yeah i mean and we'll obviously talk about the race and how that didn't go um as well as we would like but the preparation was ideal right there was nothing wrong with the preparation when i look at it and I, i'm going to dig out the stats uh, uh, in a minute but i was running really really solid training round about i came out the centurion 100 and i got a phone call the day before that saying i had to run six hours or 50 miles to prove fitness to confirm my selection for Verona. And um, I was running really strong. In fact, I was, through, I was just through 50 miles in six hours, but I'd, I'd had a calf injury last year and I was starting to feel that tighten up. So I decided to pull the pin at 50 miles to protect the ability to have a really strong training block for Verona. And in on one hand, that was deeply regret, regrettable. On the other hand, it was absolutely the right decision. And no one likes to DNF a race, but when you've got a chance to run for your country, that, that takes priority so a week or two of rest and recovery after that then straight into a training block pretty much from the start of May through to the the end of August so you've got a really solid you know May June July and August kind of 16-week block to train for the 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 big one and when you're training for a 24-hour race there's kind of it's all about building the endurance and the strength and the fatigue resistance you know your ability to go along Um, and physically the training went really well I peaked through the early weeks of August into the, the late weeks of August kind of running I think 115 mile week averages there or thereabouts we could intense it in there I did a, a you know one of the best ones I did was like a 48 mile training run and I think can't remember but I was just over seven minute mile pace for that I was feeling good I kind of took it to 100k and 100k and like 715 so I knew I was in good shape and um, so I come out my training block feeling really strong I've been doing some good strength and conditioning through that as well and mobility which I think is important went to verona like, physically feeling ready to go and throw down a good distance and in fact I, I i'd say it now and i'd say it even even after the event i was pro- very comfortably in pb shape 24-hour pb shape and that's brilliant because that's the you know that's sometimes the hardest bit of a 24-hour race is getting to the startling um, mm. and particularly when it's a, a, a international because you've had to run a good 24 hour for that to be one of the best in the country then to be selected, then to stay fit and prove fitness, then to train well, then make the start line. So getting to the start line sometimes the hardest bit of all. Um, I got the start line, I was really, really happy with where
0: I was. You're talking, just when we're talking about Jamie Marshall here and the bricks, there's a lot of bricks in your wall to get to, yeah. the world, isn't
1: there? Yeah, there, you there is. There's a lot of change going on. I changed jobs part way through that block, which was neither here nor there. Works just work, it's just I'm um, giving my I'm giving my hours to another company than I did before so they give me money differently from the other company that I've worked for from before ultimately that's it's just transaction right and um, but it adds a, a way of um stress and change that sometimes can be hard to deal with but it wasn't at all you know there was no change to where I was working and how I was working in the main Um, but the bricks that were sitting in there if you want to you look at the foundations are uh, being physically strong so not having any muscular injuries or any any worries on that front being strong in the mind um, and being ready and, and anticipating the race rather than dreading it and, and effectively being confident that you've got um you've you've done the training required to go and you know execute as best as you can and then it's on it's in the lap of the gods on the day as to how things might go it's also in your own hands which we'll talk about a wee bit as well about how it would go but yeah getting to race there was like, there's not a lot I would change between what I did from end of April through to start of September not a lot at all
2: you mentioned you know, a forty-eight mile training run. Now, can we speak about relative to what you're doing? Do you know that is what's needed? Do you know other other people listening will be going a forty-eight mile training run? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but see when you're doing that training run and you're feel, feeling comfy and you're running at sevens, say, are you like? So I'm doing a long training run and I'm starting to flag towards the end with that effort Do you know, are you are you are you suffering at the end
1: no that distance no because you're training to go for 24 hours I'm just trying right. I'm trying to look it up right just so I can put the context behind it so that was that was on the 26th of August um and it was 5 hours and 43 minutes so right. I guess that is 709 a mile but actually it was a um it was a session where I would run I think it was something like three times 30 minutes faster, in there and then just easy otherwise. So you're yeah. trying to just get used to the fatigue. Well, no, I wasn't flagging towards the end. I mean, I, not, I wasn't ready to run six minute miles at the end either. I was just like working hard, but I was feeling really strong. That's, that's where you get a lot of confidence from that says, right. you know what, I could keep going here. Um, and I know that in the race, I'm going to be running significantly slower than that. And the most important thing was is my, my nutrition had went well on that day, My there was no niggles or injuries coming out of it. I was able to go and do my recovery run the next day without any concern. So it's all of that building that's important. I mean, and that's the longest run I've done in training. I was meant to do the John Lucas race. John Lucas, I think it's 50 miles. Every year I've run it, it was on a Saturday. So I booked the race. Um, not every year I've run it, it was on a Sunday, sorry and I'd booked a race and then planned it my weekend and then the, sort of Monday before the race, I started saying, I better get ready for this race <laughs> and realised it was on a Saturday. So I couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't always do like a, a training run of that length. If I was doing yeah. a training run of that length, I might run to Edinburgh and get the train back, which is like 40 miles or something, just to break it up. But i just done that run of track that day, mainly because it was substituting in the fact that I didn't have a race, just to practise that race craft and nutrition and that mindset that comes with it. But no, I wasn't really, and I think um, on that day Grant McDonald came down, ran a few laps with me. He ran maybe thirty, fifty k, maybe on that day actually, yeah.
2: Hey, and was that on the lab? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we hear a lot about the lab when when we speak to you, um, but I suppose the handiness of doing that is that yeah, you're dumping, you're you're able to have a wee aid station set up for yourself almost.
1: Exactly that. You're mimicking the, the event, and um, you just can grab something and basically you have a range of food there yeah just drive down park up off you go yeah and so it makes the logistics a lot easier if not the aesthetics much greater yeah you've run a few 24 events now
0: representing your country has your training plan you we're always learning has your training changed in preparation since you started doing
1: these type of events there's tweaks and and nudges and some it'll be influenced by what else has happened in and around that period so if I had like when I ran my first track 24 in 2016 I'd run the West Highland Way in June um, and then the track race was in September so there's not as big a need to do super long miles and super long runs because you've got the training up to 100 miles behind you for the West Highland Way and then you're taking that run into your training block and then you've got a shorter training block because you're going June to September with the recovery so you're really only training July middle of July to the end of August you get maybe six to eight weeks of intense training to get ready whereas this one I had a 16 week block so it was more intentional to lead into it but in the main what all you're effectively trying to do is build basically endurance and speed right yeah. that's what you're looking to build and the that I can tell you now there's nowhere I'm nowhere near at my top gear like I, I wouldn't be able to run 5k at my 5k PB just now because I was focused on longer running. Um yeah. I wasn't doing plenty of tempo and intensive, but I wasn't doing a lot of the short stuff. So there was that little nuance and that little change. Um another change for me is probably just the shape of a week. I do my long run on a Thursday morning in the main now because we work i work a bit later on a Thursday. Which means I can do my long run on a Thursday morning, which kinda of frees up a Saturday, not to be stressed about trying to do four or five hour runs. Other than that, John you know, it's broad Broadly been the same. I'm um, I mean, I'm not doing, and I'm sure we'll talk about Soderick, and I'm not doing 50k, 50k a day average stuff that he was doing at elevation down in Kenya, um, because time and body wouldn't allow that. Probably more body than time, if I'm being honest with you. But in the main, it's broadly the same, about the same volume, about the same level of intensity, and you know I felt that like this block was one that I'd executed just almost perfectly to be ready for the race. right Well, that takes me back to. Bagadoosh, you were
0: looking on top form, you know, yeah. you're looking like, yeah, looking good. So, brilliant. before we speak about the actual event, can we speak about the team? Yeah. A, the, the team, it was brilliant actually watching on social media, the team almost virtually gather. They were all coming, there was photographs and people yeah. coming together and buy bios. Thank you again to Adrian Thought, who did some fantastic stuff. Um, you saw a, a couple of blogs um, in the in the build-up. What was it like that team coming together? It
1: was it was interesting this year, right? So my first team I was on in 2017, it was like rock stars galore. Um, it really was. Just to put some context on the women's side, you had Debbie, Martin Catani, Sharon Law, Beth Pascal. We had uh, Jess Baker from Australia. She was a top runner, and and I'm I'm losing the the train of who the other um, female was. And then on the men's side, and this was my first run in a GB vest. And on the men's side, you had Robbie Britton, Dan Lawson, Marco Consani, uh, Paddy Robbins, and Steve Hollyoak. That's like they're like total rock stars of the sport. So that was weird me coming into that team. This time round, it was mainly debutants for 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 Britain. Um, and the female side, we had Kat and Wendy, who've got a bit of experience. We'd also Jen Coleman, who was coming in from. Um, Having the last rep at poland many years ago and then we had joe um uh who had an amazing run on the day um i think that's how you pronounce the name master and I, I don't think i've got that right um, and with jen as well as i mentioned it and we had um sophie power and ellie Eccles. so a whole bunch of new people in there so sophie, ellie and um, were new jen was returning and you had joe that was her first 24 but she'd run 100k before and, and meddled at that with Ellie Greenwood in the team and so you know a lot of experience and Cat and Wendy were returning <laughs> on the men's side myself for the fourth time was there and Paul Maskell was in the team for the second time and then Dan was a traveling reserve so Dan was a reserve so he wasn't on the counting team but he was still running for Great Britain which is a shame because if Dan had counted Britain would have meddled. and a couple of people have asked why that is there's two reasons why it is, is, is with the opportunity to take nine people which is unprecedented, which meant you can build a squad. There was about 16 people with qualifiers on the men's side, just for context, which is a, a tremendous number. <clears throat> um, so with the opportunity to take nine, and when you looked at the qualifications, Dan wasn't in the top six um, based on his last performance at Albee. And there's an integrity to the selection process that says, you know, you, you know, there's qualification criteria, and you know, you want to you want to meet that. Um, and I think. It was a probably a really difficult choice for the selectors not to make dan a counter but at the same time i mean when i ran with dan when he was doing the jog he he was kind of finished with 24s then but he's rediscovered his love for it and his run on the day showed that you know running that 273 kilometers and change so me dan and paul had been in squads before Um, and then in the actual team you had danny hawkins Running for the first time, you had Demo Carr, Damien Carr running for the first time a uh, uh, GB vest. Alex Warity, who's Wendy's husband, running for the GB for the first time. So it was me, Alex, Danny, Paul, Demo, and oh, who was the other? I'm losing my thread here because there's so many names I'm throwing about. And yeah. you all, we also had Nathan and Gareth as travelling reserves as well, running the team. And as it was, Paul, Danny and Demo were the counters and they all ran over 260 kilometers right they're all their runs all now hit the top 10 and GB all time it still wasn't good enough for top three that's how the sport's moving on right yeah. I mean to to see those numbers I mean and to be fair we had three runners in the top 15 but Poland and Lithuania Lithuania get the, the Sorokin boost they normally don't have a team um, and Poland um, they, they've got just a super strong team as well Um, and that's what you're up against in 24 hours. now Britain's got an amazing squad um but the standard every every year you're adding two or three percent to the standard yeah so if you're not improving you're going backward at a rate of knots that's um
2: I mean we'll get on to speaking about world record time I'm, I'm sure but that comment that you made about them getting that bounce from that as a country has he inspired a new sort of a runner in his country. I
1: mean, Poland's the same actually. Poland's maybe a better case study, right? Poland uh-huh. were nowhere in 24 hour run until they held the World or European Champs, whenever it was, in um, I think about two, 2012. Maybe I'd need to double check. They were nowhere. And they go to this event. And they get silver individual, silver team in the men's, and individual golden, individual um, team golden, in the women's, and they've done the same at previous championships right back to 2015, 2017. So they, by hosting the event, I think, started the journey to create, you know, a hunger for the event, and and would be really great hosts again given their their performance. And in the Lithuanian, um, the Lithuanian example, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Alexander run. Uh, when I was there I think he was the only Lithuanian there. finished third overall himself and then I think the last couple of events has been a couple of them and then at this event there was three of them and, and the three of them performed really well right I think you would one of them at 250 kilometers maybe 245 250 which is a you know quite a decent run um, the other guy maybe slightly more than that and then you just add in the Sorokin tax which just gives you like this <laughs> that it's like having one and a three and a half in your team right having him in there and he's running what, what did they run then 313 kilometres or something like that yeah
2: something John's,
1: a, John's a start man <laughs> no wasn't it, yeah it was about 313 right just under 200 miles yeah. so you, you think about that he's he's giving you he's giving you like a 40 kilometre start on the field of your kind of average top 10 runner yeah, yeah. it's like
2: I'm going to compare it to like get, picking up golf clubs in the 80s because of Sandy Lyle or a tennis yeah. racket because Andy Murray, it's, you know, all these uh, the local tennis courts are heaving because you're getting inspired. Isn't it great that we've got these inspirational guys yeah. in what sport that we love?
1: And, and and that's actually happened across, if you look at the British, the British team, I mean the, the, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of work to create a squad ethic there so the women had two traveling reserves um, or two traveling non-counters that's a better phrase to use and the, and the british team of three traveling non-counters so they were running for britain so okay. if, they, if they'd meddled in the individual race they would have meddled on behalf of britain right they just weren't counting to the team team event so britain sent 17 runners it used to be 10 15 years ago if you met the qualifying standard which was 240k for the men for context you were pretty much guaranteed to be picked. Sometimes it was like, have we got three people who've met the standard so we can send the team 240k? Now, the standard will be, I mean, it's it's 255, 260k just to be in the conversation now. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that standard will go up. Paul and Danny will get better. Alex will get better. demo will get better. Dan will continue to be amazing. You've got Gareth and Nathan who are in and around the team as well. They'll get better. Um, and, you know, you've got You've got all sorts of improvements start to come within that team um, so yeah it's a pretty exceptional outfit
0: and the team that was there representing GB they will gain loads from that experience from having been there you know it's like it's like it's like I go back to playing football it's like the first involvement with the first team is you're carrying the kit in you know what I mean but you're in amongst the atmosphere and you're experiencing it and then you get in the subs bench and then you're getting a start you know I mean? Yeah. You're learning all the. If you're aware, you're learning all the time. So the standard will hopefully go up. Can I can I also ask of- you
1: there, John, sorry. I keep forgetting because I'm, I'm struggling to remember all my names. There's also Rob Payne in there as well, right? Um, Rob Payne finished second in the West Island Way in 2019. I want to say has won a few hundred milers. He had a tough day. And still ran 250k or something like that. So yeah. you, you look at it just to put it in context. You've got Rob, Danny, Paul on his second event. Alex, Demo, plus Dan, that's a team where two, th- three of them could run 270 plus each, yeah? So, I, and, and I'm, I'm interrupting you because I don't want to forget to mention Rob, I was just struggling to bring all the names back, but that gives you some context about the squad that's there now, and it's, I think if you're going to a sport analogy, it's like Man City now, as opposed to being like a Wrexham getting a shock every now and then, this team's built to win. Yeah. I suppose I the
0: Sorokin factor is like bringing in that Erling Haaland, isn't it? Can okay, what I mean?
1: I I I mean Sor- Sorokin's, um um like Early Harland is is a freak in the sense that he's so far ahead of everyone else. And it's partly down to the the time that training's put in, natural ability clearly, an amazingly strong mindset. Um, but what'll happen now is I think over the next two or three years, Sorokin's improvements will plateau. He might get to two hundred miles in the twenty four. I think that's got to be his big aim. I think that's like that's like the two two hour marathon in twenty four hour running. But the gap behind them will close because people will start to copy his methods. So Mm -hmm. the gap between him and second and third is as big now as it will ever be. I think they'll start to see it close because he'll inspire it. Yeah.
0: And we need people to do what Alexander Sork has done for other people to push and to nudge and to improve. You know what I mean?
1: So human Uh, beings are awesome. Well, it totally is. I mean, the, 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 the kind of two examples, always the four-minute mile, you know, nobody thought it could be done until Roger Bannister done it, and then it was done, like, 13 times within a year after that. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody thought that um, Giannis Corris' records over 24 hours would ever be broken. Sorkin's done it twice now, and he's not just broken them. He's been, like, he's been through the records with an hour and a half to go, which mm-hmm. is insane when you think about it. See, he shattered them.
0: Just to, just to come back and to give it some context you mentioned about 250 and two, greater than 250 for the GB. That's 155 miles for those people that work in miles in 24 hours. It's phenomenal. Absolutely okay. phenomenal. Can also, I did not want to forget either, you mentioned Robbie Britton earlier on. He was part of the backroom
1: team, wasn't he? Probably, yeah. Probably the backroom team. Probably. So the backroom team are really good, right? So you've got John Pears as the, um, the, the overall team manager. So in, in kind of structure sense, he would be like the director of it, right? He, he manages the overall team. And then he delegates te- men's team management to Robbie, women's team management to Rene McGregor. Both of them have been on your show before. Rene steps down after this champ, so that was really officially out um, after this one. So they lead the, the, the teams and they're the primary contact for the male and female teams. And they'll come up with the strategies and looking at the teams together and create the connections. Um, uh, um, And Robbie coaches a few runners on the team as well. Because of that, Robbie's not on the selection team though. So, because there's a, an element of integrity and he doesn't want to be compromised in either of these athletes. Um, so Robbie then selects, um, sorry, Robbie then runs that part of the team. And then alongside that, you've got Alan Rankin's a physio from, um, he lives in Kirk and, Tellica, out ah. in Kirk and Broadway. Um and then, so he's, he's the kind of traveling medic there who does nothing for 16 hours and then everybody just needs physio help. Um, and then you've got a squad of people who, who are supporting and basically you had one person supporting two runners yeah so Dan's wife Charlotte was in there we had Sarah Cameron Paul McGee was in there with Jamie Pugh in there as well and um, supporting so there was quite a lot going on in terms of the support in there and my dad was in supporting as well so he was, he was crewing me and Rob Payne as well so it was just really, it was just a really, really um, strong team. Lots of experience in that tent, 24 hour runners, medics, and people have crewed at multiple events. So that squad is, is as important as the squad on the track, if not more important, in fact. Yeah. See me, see me say crewing. Is that
0: like providing whatever you need every time you come back round? Is that what that
1: is? Exactly that. Exactly as you would experience at Glenmore, right? Exactly that. Um, only they're doing it as a team So they're able to I mean The primary responsibility for two runners mm-hmm. But they look after multiple runners And there's a lot of running about going on um, And it's a tough gig for them Because it gets cold overnight and stuff as well So it's more And
0: can we speak about the lap? I had assumed it was a lap round the track But it wasn't, it was it? No,
1: it's, it's, so it starts off in a, um, a running stadium Verona Stadium And then it goes out Sharp right Up a wee hill And then it wasn't the best lap, to be honest with you. It was kind of like a kind of, kind of semi-industrial area in um, Verona. You were kind of on this kind of windy road. There was a couple of 180 turns that weren't great, and they were all right turns, to be honest with you. I think it did affect a few people, where you come out the track to take a right, you then take another right, and you go down, you do a, a 180 on a right. In fact, it's more than a 180. It was almost it was 360 and back up the way you came, um, round like a mini roundabout. And then you a couple of longish straights and then you would come back round up another wee hill and back into the track which is another kind of 90 to 180 degree turn so it felt quite a lot of right turns on the course and sharp ones at that so like these 24-hour courses are never salubrious, right because they're trying to build put them in an area where there's minimal impact on the community they don't want to stop traffic too much if they don't have to the one in alby for example was in a a sports complex so it was contained within the complex this one ran out in a kind of semi-residential semi-industrial area it's not a place you would go on holiday <laughs> can I John's mind question
0: how do they just run the track too many runners right you've got 350 people um yeah. too many on the track yeah okay some just a simple yeah I hadn't thought uh, about that.
2: it sounds like that it's just a wee bit of contrived like just to make it work um, and that's maybe at the detriment so for example if it had been a mere straightforward course with less technical turns maybe alexander would have got that 200 for instance
1: I, I would i would say would yeah um i mean i was in i was in salt lake city last week and um, we ran down to this place called liberty park and it was a flat two kilometer circular loop and I was like, this would be perfect for a 24 hour race because you had basically a cycle path and a rollerblade path. And either side of that, you had the road one side and you had grass on the other side. And you're like, this would be perfect for a 24 hour race. And um, yeah, nice working. Well, like, exactly. You know, it was circular, plenty of places. It was um, logistics, logistically able to get in and out with traffic if you wanted to, to bring deliveries. There was toilets in the park. It was like, oh, this would be perfect. Great spectating spot. So that, that's that's a dream to have something like that, but it's not easy done. You know, like North Inch would be would it be perfect? How 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 big's the lap at North Inch? One
2: and a you half know. miles.
1: Yeah, so probably ideal for a twenty-four hour race then. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: I think so, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> it's been done before there. Yeah, it has be been
0: There was one before. I'm sure Adrian Adrian was probably involved in that. No, no doubt. Know.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, Got it on our doorstep, James
1: make it happen make it happen um so if you're going to run a big field 24-hour race you need to be able to spread them out Um, and fire tracks not ideal but if you want to run an optimal 24-hour race you you want you that course is not optimal like the wee hill that you got start wasn't a big hill I mean bigger than the one at North Inch right just for context but it just went on for maybe 200 meters just a gradual um incline and then you decline down off it for about 400 meters so you can you can have it up and down and it was fine, it was good for changing the muscles. But the the, the, the right angle turns were just momentum killers Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your head torch in it? No. No, you did not It was there was street lighting out, out, yeah. out of course.
2: That's yeah. one thing North Inch hasn't got is lighting all the way around.
1: You swear head torches then. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. We'll put that down on there Yeah. head torches. <laughs> <laughs> you you um How's your kit?
1: The GB kit, aye. So on a bag up there. Um, <laughs> um, it's like an amazing kit, right? The, the quality of the stuff's unbelievable. Uh-huh. I wear the, I wear the shops and occasionally the tops when I'm out running because why would you just leave them in a bag? I actually have a, a bunch of old kit that I'll donate to anybody, anybody who's who wants some like GB kit from previous. I just keep the vests, but there's loads of like tracksuit tops and jackets and stuff and stuff i'll never wear so if anybody you know is a small and uh wants them give me a shout i've actually got a suitcase a gb suitcase and given my football and allegiances it's not the kind of thing i would you know take <laughs> Um i'm sitting looking at it now yeah and
2: um, john anybody... would have taken them if they were a medium
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah are they short shorts the short, yeah, the shorts are amazing. The shorts are the best bit of kit, right? You can, I can wear a pair of GB shorts for 24 hours. with no Chaffin. It's unbelievable. They're so oh, yeah. good. I Must
0: admit, when at the Glenmore 24, Joe Murphy was a about their GB kit
1: on and uh,
0: she looked a million dollars back. She yeah. was awesome, you know?
1: The new, the new kit's amazing, right? Um, but I've got no need for like, the old tracksuits and stuff. I mean, I've already I've already donated some stuff, but I, would, I wouldn't leave it up the loft never ever to be used. There are people who would, um, I think, enjoy wearing it. And you have to keep your kit for two years, right? So I need to keep the new kit for two years. Right. And then I may be selected again, and um, which is I won't I, I won't have a qualifier for the next chance. and that's a, a long way off. Um, but you keep it for two years because that's you, you would reuse it. That. That's um, cycle. Cool. But the, the thing the thing you keep more than that is the vest, right? The vest itself is right. you know, I've yep. got three, three different G B vests, which is pretty cool, and two different Scotland vests. So at some point I should really put them in a frame or something like that yeah, or yeah yeah
2: and in terms uh it would just be an absolute schwank show was it in terms of carbon
1: yeah 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 i mean the noise it was like you know the noise the new um alpha flies and all that make it was like there was like 300 t-rexes on the course (laughs) (laughs) that was like like the most out out of out of beat rave you could ever hope to go to yeah (laughs) so on that how how you
0: find it, that, what shoes were you wearing?
1: I, I was wearing Alpha Flies, I think they're called, yeah. The ones I was wearing actually had about 700 miles in them, but I, I they were perfectly fine, I think. I find they're best um, when they're, they've got a few hundred miles in them, more, most comfortable and stuff. Yeah, there's no issues with the shoes. Actually, there was issues when I started walking, because I felt like I was walking like like a, a catwalk model, because right. they're not made for walking, but for running and they were
0: fine.
1: Yeah, Not a in sight, by the way socks were you wearing? Um, there were Nike socks that I, I'd got and I'd worn them a few times not the best quality actually but I had to bend them because there's like holes all over them but they might be a bit tight so they were like just, just on the edge for my size and um, they were really good I usually wear Balega socks but I found them plus the Alpha Phi combo I was getting some blisters and Step, so going be change. And
2: you've mentioned about getting 700 on your Alpha flies I'm, I found that like even for me I'm quite heavy footed that like the, the shoes integrity is really pretty I've got like 600 in a pair of temples which is unheard of for me so yeah. um, but I know that Dan made a bit of a stance in terms of his his shoes and, and we know that his um, rerun company likes to recycle and, and, and stuff um, and he was running in a second hand pair of carbons wasn't he
1: yeah um,
2: as well just to make his, his point
1: well he would do that anyway um and he also had some paraphernalia on some of his cap, just um, making the point and really what he was basically saying is, is just pay your, your workers like he's yeah, 100 totally. right there's some workers in some of their um far east factories who have been treated really badly um, and yeah. and he was just wanting to highlight that point yeah and he was doing it in the right way without compromising the um the story behind the team and um, and him and me having another guy were actually talking while we're running Another guy was like, "It's futile, you know. What's the point? Why, why even bother? You know, what difference can we make?" And dance kind of makes the point a lot that that's exactly the spirit and attitude. to hope you'll have, you know, to the point where you think your individual contribution will make no difference to the the wider collective. So yeah, he's he's really good and it's well thought out. Dan and Charlotte are, you know, they're really strong and really ethical on that too. Yeah. Two really nice human beings who have got strong moral value set. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: I'm all for it. For those listeners who maybe aren't aware of rerun, we'll put links in the show notes as well about everything that Dan and Charlotte um do and believe in and Stephen and I fully support that, don't we Stephen? Yeah, definitely.
2: We've we've been keen to get a chat with Dan at some point about it. Um so but I think they're
1: retiring rerun, so um right. just drop him a line. Yeah. yeah. He's not a, he's not he, he also does the British Ultra Running podcast with James Ellison, but I don't you don't see him popping up in a lot of podcasts, you know kind of yeah. He moves. He moves in his own time
0: zone. The times that we have, we've met Dan a couple of times when he was doing the the jog thing, and the chat turned to football pretty quick. You yeah. know, When he was. But he's just a wonderful human being, man. He's just brought yeah. And did he have pillar box
1: red hair when he was across in Verona? Yeah, he died his, his hair red. Yeah, and he's a big West Ham fan, right? So we we whenever we chat, we, we and been him were running the jog together. We spent about two hours talking about the greatest ever um, teams, our respective teams. So I was doing Celtic, he was doing West Ham, and then how we'd match them up, and you were allowed to steal a player off each other and all of that. I think he stole Jinky Johnson.
0: Yeah. How would you know? I
1: would I
0: taken Billy Bonds. I
1: think. Who I took? I I can't remember who I took. Bobby Moore, eh? I, I thought I think maybe it was Bobby Moore. I, I took uh, the player alongside Billy McNeil. Yeah. Wait, anyway, goodbye to you. I want to <laughs> we,
2: we want to get delved into the actual James's race. If yes. that's all right, yeah, and and yeah. how how your twenty four hours um, panned out.
1: Um, it, well, it was it wasn't great. Um, is the long story short? So I went out there with a really strong plan and feeling feeling ready to go and do a good run. Um, and I, I haven't really actually ingested the stats for. The better part of 13 hours ran like a dream. So up until 94 miles, I was exactly where I wanted to be. But my problem I was having was, so I was just running perfectly, no issues, no physical issues, but I wasn't I I, I was able to get food in me. And I wasn't being sick, but, and there'll be some hindsight, some wonderful thing stuff here. I wasn't being sick, but what was happening is I was just incrementally losing any fuel that I had so like a car eventually I was running out and then in a lap it just hit me like a mega bonk felt like I was going to faint and stuff and I went back in the crew tried a couple of laps tried to get some food in me I was trying you know I was trying to get food in but it just wasn't happening and then um, at about 96 miles I was like right I'm going to have to walk here and I'm just looking at the the stats I walked from 97 to 113 miles i walked what 16 miles which when you're walking three and a half miles an hour is what five four and a half hours or something like that mm-hmm. um and there are a couple of things one is is i really should have tried much harder to get the right stuff in me before the bonk came um and even if that meant throwing up at least it, maybe i rechar- restarted my system but i was doing everything in my power to avoid throwing up and um, because i knew that was a challenge in the past and in hindsight maybe I just need to go through that process right and and especially given where it was because I was at 90th 90th I was basically going to be under 14 hours for 100 miles I was in really and that that gives you then if you think about it that gives you 10 hours to run if you do 10k an hour from there you're running you're running 162 miles 260 plus kilometers and I, I was physically okay to do that which is proven out later on um and then what then happens is I've I, I I, I walked to 113 miles, um, and I've been able to start getting some feedback in. me So I'm getting energy back, but by this point my race is over. But I'm not I'm not going in. I'm I'm refusing to go in. So I'm kind of probably about 18 hours into the race at this point. What there a couple of conversations with the crew, and what I decide to do is, is I become a bit like a like in baseball you get the bullpen and you've got your kind of you, you've got your relief pitchers. For me i was a kind of relief runner so what i would then do was i would just run with other gb runners to help them through tough spots they were having so demo car went past me and he was having a tough spot and i was walking and it was kind of like right saw that it's time to go um, and then i just ran with demo for a few laps got him back up and running you know kind of slingshotted him out then um ran with rob a couple for a few laps then I I walked a wee bit again and then I walked a wee bit again because it was like right okay who will I who will I support next so and what I, and actually stood so just to, I'm, I'm looking at the stats and the context is that from 113 miles through to 130 miles I was probably running seven miles an hour so I was back to just running, but what I was doing was I was stopping, waiting a few minutes and people coming into the crew tent and then going, right, I'm going to run with you. I ran with Alex for a few laps. He was struggling, got him going again, all of that. And then once I got to like the last probably two hours, I just walked the last two hours. There was no value in me running anymore. The guys were out running together. They were doing their own thing. I just walked with one of the GB athletes because I was like, you know what? I could run a few miles and and I'd... I'd I, I probably got an element of regret about that but by that point I was like my race is done I'm not contributing to the team but I'm not going back in so me and Nate just walked it round for the last couple of hours in reality there's two three things that should change at this point point. one is just tried much harder to get food in me before I before I hit the bonk two I should never have walked as long as I did I should have walked half an hour tops and then I should have been going again and I should have been forcing food in at that point so I probably gave up a wee bit too easily. I don't. Know if, I don't know if "gave up" is the right phrase, um, but maybe I didn't push as hard. Maybe that's a better phrase because I refused to go in. I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to be the guy who stepped off the track. And then I, I should have ran, ran the last couple of hours because if I would have still ran for the run the last couple of hours. I still ran like two hundred and forty kilometers plus, which isn't a great distance, you know, um, in the grand scheme of things. When you look at what what's going on around you. Um, but it's semi respectable. So the aim, you know, you had Debbie talk about it run my and you're there to run for twenty four hours. and um, stayed out for twenty-four hours and I probably um when you think about the fact that I probably walked in the range of seven and a half hours, I still ran I don't even know what I ran, it was hundred and just under one hundred and forty miles, maybe hundred and thirty seven, hundred and thirty eight. And I think to myself, every hour I walked was probably three hours thrown away. So that's that that rankles with me a wee bit so i, I gave i gave up the opportunity um, or i lost the opportunity to run a pb to run in that 260 plus kilometer range um and with hindsight there's two or three things i could have done to, re, to, to reclaim the opportunity on the day would i have been able to do it i don't know i might have i might have tried and then been out the race completely because i might have done some harm um yeah. but there was no physical issue and in fact like i was back running sort of on the thursday of the week going i don't even like because I walked so much I, f- I don't even feel like I've done an ultra um, which made it doubly disappointing but also proved the point about the training beforehand so yeah there's a lot of regret about the event it didn't turn out the way I hoped um, from a numbers point of view but it was an amazing experience so moving towards that supporting the team role where three or four times I would just slingshot out of the the, the crew tent and I would say you were st- struggling Stephen I would go right I'm going to run just in front of you follow my heels or I'm just going to chat to you, I'm going to talk to you, try and G you up, whatever. And, you know, the the, the lads I helped and supported after were really appreciative of it. Uh-huh. And even those so I didn't run with, felt that it boosted them to see me back out and running um, and stuff as well. But that's not why you do it, right? That's like, it's not an ego tip to go, hey, look at me. It was more a case of going, well, the, I, I can still contribute, if not on the score sheet, contribute on the team sheet. And I can still have an amazing experience and I bonded and connected with those guys and I've had some nice messages since but the reality is, is that from a running performance point of view below where expected from an experience point of view above where expected and correct me I'm wrong
2: were you team captain
1: yeah so like two days before the race they um, they, they announced a, a team captain so you get the team captain and the flag carrier and um, right. um, so the team captain I mean I don't mm-hmm. know it's a, it's a kind of semi-symbolic role in a sense but as a team captain then you, you kind of want to try and inspire the guys in the, the, the team as well so i I, w- I was to do that as well i'm going say guys i mean the guys and the girls you know not just the, the, the men wendy wendy warity who'd had a baby 18 months before and then we qualified for the team there's no finer example of somebody should be carrying the flag than that um, and yeah. so, so it was an honor for both of us being the most experienced runners in the team if you like yeah um,
2: i'm just thinking your your role that you kind of adapted into of becoming that support for others maybe there was a bit of that well i'm the the, the wisest head here the, the, with the most experienced type thing and i'm the team captain for a reason there's maybe some of that coming into play there just a natural go-to position for you
1: you know it probably played on my mind as well to go you know in a way it's sort of um not played on your mind sorry that it it, it helped me maintain a sense of accountability and responsibility to do that role yeah rather than going into the poor me mode it's like well I can't change I can't change the, the the decline in performance but what I can do is try and inspire improvement in performance and a couple of guys have said that they wouldn't have got the numbers they got were it not for you know spending an hour or so with me and it wasn't so much the run it was the conversation whether yeah. I, or not i mean I, i'm not going to go it was me who made this happen because that's not true it's like jamie's brick in his wall it was just a brick in their race wall of the day and um, and if that helped then brilliant it, it helped me stay out but look the, the, the long story short is there's loads of regrets should have should have forced something down was running brilliantly i'm really calm you know i'm going to run the centurion track 100 and april and have a proper go at the 100 and um, and i'm really confident because actually i got to just short of 100 miles without any issue and that's been a big thing for me so i'm really confident i'll be able to go down there and give that a good crack and um in, in that format um but the flip of it is is that i probably allowed myself just to go into a funk for too long um and i don't quite know for what to why that would be it you know did I give up too early? Was I still struggling? Because it, it took me about two hours to be able to start getting food in, to be honest with you. But again, was that me just not pushing hard enough to push through? Who knows? We probably never know. But you learn a lot from these things. I think just
0: sitting here, listening to that last bit of conversation, I think you fulfilled that role of um, team captain 100%. So well done. And thank you for doing that absolutely brilliant so you can drop that semi-symbolic thing thank you <laughs> smashed that yeah. man well done can i ask you though on on the subject of nutrition
1: what was your choice of fuel at the start well, look i'd practiced all through training and nutrition because i knew that was going to be the key battleground and maybe that's part of the reason why I, I just i just felt a bit like oh christ no again um and what i was doing was i was mixing real food like Cereal bars, cliff bars, you know that kind of stuff, and alternating between that and um, precision hydration gels, and then taking on salt in my drinks alongside electrolytes in my drinks, um, and I was aiming for that sort of seventy-five to eighty grams of carbs per hour thing, and I was I was going I was probably really good for eight and a half to nine hours, but then it's that nine to twelve, thirteen hours where it starts to go oh, I'm struggling here and it's like all I can take is a sip of coke or a bit of chocolate. And really, what you're doing there is you're starting to get a bit of imbalance. Um, um, So I started off with a really strong plan; it was working fine. I personally think that I became a bit too. This is a bit that I've reflected on. When I was running, with when I ran when I've run my best ultras without being sick, I've not thought about carbs or anything. Like that. I've just went get a couple of hundred calories per hour and just make sure there's plenty of salt in it. And and I would just eat to hunger. And I think, and I'm going to chat with Rini about this at some point. I think for me, maybe my issue is is that I'm um, I'm trying to be too clever, and I'm overloading at the start, and that's causing me nausea, and then it's causing me that feeling of of illness. Because it's only when I've done when I've tried to eat right out the bat. So if I when I've done the West Highland Way, for example, or or running 24 hours previously, I would just basically go a couple a couple hundred grams and couple hundred calories. And i'll be fine i've never looked at the carb count in that but to get 90 grams of carbs you're, you're kind of pushing 350 um, calories sometimes mm-hmm. and i think you know when you're bringing real food into it because it's hard to get carb dense real food especially when you're out in italy Um not especially when you're out in italy but especially to train with that you can get out, out there and um, and i think i probably just became a wee bit just a wee bit too prescriptive so that's that's the thing for me next to, next to practice one you know so always learning and I, I genuinely think that if I, 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 if I look at it and go if my maximum consumption through a race is x I just need to divide that by 24 but what I've been doing is probably front loading it Yeah. by front loading it I'm causing myself to have this dip in the middle that I just couldn't get out of in this particular race and
2: yeah. you speak a lot and I've heard you speak about it before James about finding your secret sauce you know the winning the, the magic formula for, for you and and it's great to hear you with all your experience and all your success already behind you that you're still just striving to find that bit, that that little bit.
1: And that's the thing, Stephen. Right? The the thing is, though, is, is even when you find it, it'll probably be out of date as soon as you you know it's, yeah. some some quirk of um, biology will maybe cause that not to be the right thing for you next thing round. Yeah. Um, the engine conditions, you know, like higher humidity means you need more salt, all of that. Of um, but I probably need to relax a wee bit about it and not think about it as much and just go, oh, I'm a wee bit hungry now, give me this and this. And I don't want to, it's probably freedom within a framework rather than this kind of prescriptive, I need to get 90 grams in and then you're stressing if you don't.
2: Yeah, thank you. We've, we've it's the last couple of weeks, John, that we've spoken to a few people um, and they've mentioned pickle juice. I am a big juice, yeah. Gherkin juice and, and to you notice know, stave off cramps. Cramps is something that I suffer
1: with. Yeah. Sample yeah. that. No, um, and I could feel nausea at zero miles thinking about that, never mind a 100. I know. Uh, I know. But yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to what works for some people, right? Even just the taste sensation of that, that, you know, the really, really high impact taste of that can be enough just to spark your system. So it's, it's very individual and you know no nutritionist or sports scientist will, will say to you this is the answer because it's, it's down to personal preference and personal adaptations
2: for yeah. and okay so race wise did they pan out the way that you dreamt it nah. and, and, and that and that's fine and the, the, the lessons learned but the experience sounded amazing and and being on that same track as as the sort of greatest of all time i think it's easy to say that now for alexander Sorokin, um given what, what he's achieved um w- was that something to behold were you were, were you sort of watching him in awe
1: yeah i mean look he's, he's quite an unassuming guy he's quite shy and um, mm-hmm. um, so a, a couple of things there is this, i ran when he broke the 100k world record earlier this year as well and that was probably a bigger sight to behold because they run at sub six minute mile effort for that long And then, um, his 24 hour ones you don't see that so easily because he does pass you a lot but it's on that loop and you know there's a lot of, there's a lot more runners there so he's part of a crowd as opposed to being like this standout from around but the guy is a sensation, right? What, what he's done um, over the last few years is unbelievable, particularly post-lockdown. He's, I think he's broke the 100-mile record twice, the 12-hour record, the 100k record, the 24-hour record. He's got a whole host of national records at ultras, 50k plus um, as well. And his dedication, his training, you know, he's clearly been, I'm going full-time at this. He's got some support from sponsors. And good luck to the guy, you know. To, to make those leaps and bounds is incredible. And his training is... On another level it should not be something you look to copy and um, because there's like there's a probably a physical limit to that and i'm sure he's getting help and support and coached on that but your mere mortals like us shouldn't be thinking about doing that the other thing that was brilliant to watch was joe zakaravsky breaking the um, british women's record and dan i think dan broke the british men's record as well i, I think that was said or he was a i can't remember but 273 anyway it's the best male performance if not the best ever it's one of the top three of all time yeah um which is just incredible um he's such a legend yeah yeah bro it was good to watch
0: i I never watched it all but a lot of i watched quite a bit of it on uh was it youtube i think it was youtube or it was on twitter as well yeah there there was live stuff and it was brilliant seeing like towards the end dan getting roared around that track you know it was uh absolutely brilliant and as you say we, we mentioned joe before um a phenomenal setting that that new women's record quite yeah
1: amazing absolutely yeah. amazing so, all, all day um, um every time i see her i would just give her a kind of a, a, a thumbs up or a wee kind of fist bump um, and she would just be like shouting back her progress and I think for her for some people they would keep that inside I think for her being able to release that was the thing it meant right okay that's me I broke the 12 hour record or whatever it might be she was just like going after it and um, some of her records will be unratified because they weren't official marks in the race but that doesn't matter she's put in a sensational performance and one that will stand the test of time she's yep. took records off and, and, and leapfrogged many and athletes so she'd recognize that as well as much as Sorkin is amazing I don't know. So I can spoke to him a few times. Yeah, you know, um, but I don't know him on a personal level. I've got no emotional attachment to him, whereas these guys are teammates yep. doing stuff.
0: Yeah, right. I love the. Th- I should say this because I love the term used earlier on, slingshot. I actually love that, and I can imagine these people just being catapulted from that, from yeah. back into a lap. Brilliant, man.
2: Psychology one, isn't it? Just the to mat. To know, imagining you're getting that boost. You know that i want to say turbo boost but just a boost and that's by design no,
1: yeah,
2: it's not yeah. by accident
1: yeah and you wouldn't want to have to do that in the race right but if you if you can't get your own race then your opportunities to give a mental recharge to others in the race that helps them feel good Aye, james but not everybody can just do that man
0: you know what i mean so it's a it's a it's a, a tough a tough one to get your head into but you know I was going to lead on to someone else just now as well, but I think if, be, before we do that, I think i have got to say it was a good day for the GB team.
1: You know, it, it really was. I think the men and women both finished fourth. Um, you've got national records being broken. Um, yeah. You've got, you know, three counting runners the, 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 for the men's that the best ever three counting runners score ever, um, in a 24-hour event. Um, you've they deepened the squad, they've deepened the connection, you've got debutants, you know, who can who'll only get better. Yeah, it was it was a really good day out um, and that, that's the point. I was talking about this last night at a JOG Scotland event, is this, sometimes we get absolutely befuddled and absolutely drawn to the number and we forget the experience matters a lot more. We'll tell stories, we'll often tell stories about the numbers we achieve because the numbers what we're grounded in, whether it's the minutes, the seconds, the hours, the miles, the kilometres, but in reality it's the stories you tell about the events you do that matter you know the you know the the, the things where you can talk about so you guys at Lakeland talking about that last climb or that last descent talking about the feelings you cross the line you don't look at your watch when you're crossing the line and line in the fling unless you're one of a few people you talk about the feeling of the red carpet you talk about getting a goblet at the ceremony of the West Highland various and then you might say how long it took you that's the order it should be in so if you can embrace the experience first I think the numbers take care of themselves um, and experience matters right it really does I love when you come
0: away with that kind of shit man I absolutely I <laughs> love that it's brilliant that, that's inspirational and you always drop that in somewhere so thank you very much for that you mentioned jog Scotland that's where I was going next and I suppose, I suppose it's again bagadoosh comes in, it's about giving back and it's about inspiring other people and I know that you're going to be the keynote speaker at a JOG Scotland event coming up on the 15th of October, aren't you? How did that come about?
1: So, Colin Hutchison um, who's one of the senior guys at um, JOG Scotland um, sorry, it's uh, Scottish Athletics emailed me last week actually when I was in when I was in the States, just asking if um, if, um, I would like to come along um, and talk, so you know for people who don't know jog scotland are just this amazing organization who have got um lot of clubs around the country where people can come to um, one two times a week they've got loads of jog leaders and really their job is to inspire people into activity it's a brilliant social movement kind of like park run for training is the way i would think about it in the sense that it allows people of all abilities to connect and come together and for people who are just starting out to do their first ever 5K, through to people who are trying to maybe move through the distances. And you've got people at like you 2 who give up both your time and your um, experience and insight to help people on that journey. Um, so when Colin asked me if I would come along to it and talk about it, and I've not even worked out what the, the chat will be about yet. Essentially, what it's going to be is about a journey. You know, your start point and your end point are very different. So I'm going to talk about foundations how people accelerate and how they get to their destination which might be their aim and all that stuff and talk about how you can stay motivated through that and that'll hopefully help spark some people into you know achieving ambitions that they hadn't yet thought possible that's the aim of it but it came about purely because they said mm, would you mind coming along and i'm like well of course and um, my wife and my kids go to Lanzarote that day and i'm staying back because we're getting some work done in the house and i don't have the holidays from work so as it happened i was at a end that Saturday afternoon and scottish athletics have been really good and kind to me and um, so why why wouldn't i give something back in return that was the, it was actually quite humbling to be asked yeah brilliant and I, i'm sure
0: people who are listening to this hopefully if they didn't know about it they now do so you can sign up we'll put the link in the show notes for that that it says james will talk about finding summits getting started and keeping going I think it was summits it's like a jumble sale <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you could bag take out. along some of your gb summits there you
1: go uh, I have could actually yeah i've got a few yeah but yeah um yeah so that that's exactly it. it's about people realizing that the limits of their potential is way beyond what they probably think at any given time and especially see especially if you are you know you're just starting out and you're maybe trying to do your first 5k and then you maybe try and do it in under 30 minutes and all of that you just don't know where that might lead to so go after it is the main thing yeah so that event in Stirling it's taking place
0: at the Stirling Court Hotel it's on the 15th of October starts at nine in the morning finishes at four in the afternoon it's a 10 to go and lunch is included well there you go there you go man and there's a a program of events we'll we'll put a link in to say, you can see the program James is on at 11 o'clock in the morning, just before your dinner.
1: So brilliant. I, I'm the pre, I'm the pre I'm the guy you're going to be sitting, going, oh, going to finish so we can go. With <laughs> Shut There's up. There's a
2: bouillabaisse. <laughs> Anybody got any questions? No. <laughs> it's
1: a brown sauce.
2: Yeah. we we'll, have we'll blander our lunch with the questions. Let's get our bellies rumbled. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, that's been. Um, I think we've covered everything that we were were going to.
0: Okay, can I? I've just. I don't know if I've done this live yet. I think we've mentioned it before, but James, we've got to thank you for providing us with our theme tune. <laughs> we, could,
1: we could do an acoustic version of now, John. You could do that live on the the, the show if you want.
0: Hey, I was born with the man. All that <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> I'd
2: well thank James for our theme tune, and also, like right, we found when at the start of season two we had you on and and you battered doing a lot of doors for us whether you realize it or no just in terms of us getting a bit of traction and um a bit of credibility <laughs> believe it or not you're using me for
1: credibility you're in trouble man
2: well you know i'm sure you know what i mean so i i want to also thank you for that too because it's um it's been a, a wee heck of a ride since
1: yeah, you, you guys do a, an irrelevant and fun podcast, you know, you don't take yourself seriously and you're, you're no sitting there talking about, you know, milligrams of stuff in your blood per hour, you're just basically, it's good, it's good. It's, good. it's a really yeah. good one to listen to and um, you can lose yourself in it, so you just keep doing what you're doing, you know, and you can have a serious podcast when you bring it like say Robbie and Irini on, not you'll get Robbie serious, but when it's right. a serious topic, and then you can have, um, just shoot the breeze ones that you do as well, they,
0: they work. I think did James also give us a first dialect dictionary word, Crummel? Crummel no, okay the weather. That was a so again, Trailblazer. The dialect <laughs> dictionary too. Yeah. But when we started the Labuff Buff playlist, James threw a track in, but he's never done a live track. I'm not asking you to play a live track. But do you want to suggest a song that we can add to the LaBeouf Buff playlist, James? You know,
1: A a brilliant song to run to, yeah. I think one of the finest Scottish rock songs to run to. No, in fact, you know what? I was going to give you Alex Harvey, Midnight Moses. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a band called Clutch, C L U T C H, and their song, Earth Rocker. And it is just amazing. It starts off with this brilliant doo 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 guitar thing, and then the first line is. What's this about limits? Sorry, I don't know none. Listen to that when you're about to do your intervals. See how you got on. Yeah. It's it's you know I mean it's it's a tad heavy, um, but it's a brilliant song. Clutch, Earth Rocker, yeah. If Earth you've never, as in. if you've never listened to Clutch, you're you're missing out. They've got a new album out this week, I think. What a band they are. Can we also can we add in
0: the Alex Harvey one as well, if you don't mind? I think you should, add uh, Midnight Moses by Alex Harvey, um,
1: what a guitar riff that is, yeah,
0: yeah, get that added in. We should also give James the opportunity, if I don't think we do this, the opportunity to talk about the your DJ show that you do, your music show on a Monday night.
1: Yes, on a Monday night I am DJ on Commonwealth FM, I play two hours of Scottish music, so new and old Scottish music, basically it's probably about 85% new music. And then i'll throw in a caledonian classic at the end of each part of the show so if you want to kind of scottish music is amazing just now right you can the top 10 in the charts is abysmally depressing if you just look at what's in there because the way the algorithms and spotify and all that watches now it's really hard to find new music but the, the amount of great new music in about scotland just now is incredible and it's hard work to find it so i try and bring it together in a two-hour show which is then i then put on mixcloud after each show where you can listen to it without the adverbs and then you'll discover some amazing amazing new bands around Scotland there are so many so many good acts here who are working full-time and doing music for us on on a part-time basis which is a crying shame but it's just how Spotify's killed music right it's just theft and these bands need you to listen to them buy their music and go and see them definitely what's the title of the show from Scotia with Love that's an awesome, it's a great title
0: and you know what I've always I've always been a big music fan I've always loved the influence of Scots on music as well and you're right it's underplayed because so we get sucked into that UK top 10 or top 20 but there's so much good stuff out there live as well and it's absolutely fantastic so thank you James for doing that Um we'll link that in the show notes too yeah brilliant oh thank you
2: okay well that has been as usual I think, does this make you the highest capped?
0: Young Hearts Run Freer? Or is it a joint with Debs? I think James has just
1: surpassed. With Deb, what a baby. Deb hosted one as well, though, right? So she can... Do yeah, you get a cap for being a host, you know?
2: Ah, you get a special golden goblet. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Anyway, if, if, if you,
2: if you want a wee gig at that, too, you're more than welcome. So, <laughs> I also, I, I want to thank you for helping us pronounce Joe's surname correctly because um, it was pointed out on Twitter that John got it a hell of a wrong last time that he tried it. So, that, Joe Zacharevsky.
1: I asked Joe um, before the race how to pronounce I'm sure she said. Um, the, the way she pronounced, but I, I, I might have butchered that a wee bit as well. Okay. Um, and with apologies to Joe, if I have, because I was then up for twenty-four hours, so my brain's not in the best space. All you need to know is, is she's a remarkable human and an amazing athlete, right? Um, so it's worth getting, worth getting the name right. Um, yep. She's, yeah, but yeah, Zacharevsky, I think she, you know, there'll be some accents in there because of the Polish nature of it. Yeah, yeah, magic. Just a
0: good runner, man. She's like a, yeah, she really is yeah. Yeah. cool thanks very much james lovely to speak to you again man awesome james. All right, guys all right cheers dude
1: cheers